Good morning. Good to see you here this morning. If you've been able to attend or listen to the messages in this series, I hope they've been a help to you. In fact, after that intro, I hope they've been epic. Epic. Um, I've gained a lot out of preparing for them, just going through the stories, watching, looking at what God had done, has done through history. Really is fortifying as you do that. Uh, we've taken a survey of the epic story that God is writing in history. We've covered several millennia. We have been walking through quite a span of time. And I'd like to look back just real briefly at the series. Here's, here's a review. First week was Easter. We looked at a story that resonates. Jesus' resurrection is the source of hope for those who trust him. And all of Christianity turns on that pivotal event. That, that, that's crucial, his resurrection. And we saw how Jesus' appearance to two disciples on the road to Emmaus just charged them with hope as they uh, were in despair after the crucifixion. Second week, we looked at the grand opening. Uh, we, we looked at creation, God's purpose for making people and the world. And in the first few chapters of the Bible, you get a glimpse into paradise. It takes us back to the Garden of Eden, and uh, it, was, it was fantastic. And in, in that, we uncover much of God's purpose for making the people that, that he's made, which includes us. Uh, third week, we looked at how everything fell apart. Uh, the first man and woman chose to break through the boundaries God had established and rebelled against him. And the important thing to see there is God, God's response to man's epic fail in deciding to live life independent of him, his grace, his goodness, his love, and how since that time, in that moment, he's been working to restore people and all of creation to its original state. So that, that's, that's an encouragement. Um, we, we also began to see very early on how sacrifice plays a role in redemption uh, from Cain and Abel, the, first, the, 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 the kids of Adam and Eve, um, and their sacrifice, we began to get a glimpse of how sacrifice is a key. Uh, the fourth week, chosen but struggling, this message, we began to see the central role of sacrifice in God's plan of redemption, and we walked through the gripping story of Abraham and Isaac. As, as we did that week. Week five, the rescue, and it, we saw that God always keeps his promises on a, on a grand scale. <laughs> he, he, he keeps track. He's, he's paying attention. And he keeps his promises. And so we saw his dramatic rescue of his people from slavery. And again, you see how sacrifice, a sacrificial lamb, was somewhat of a centerpiece of God's deliverance of Israel from the last plague on Egypt as they were freed from slavery in Egypt there. He led them to the promised land that provides somewhat of an image of where he's taking us that we're going to look at today. Um, 
Six, six week, we looked at life's battlefield, the battles God's people fought to claim his promises, showed us how to keep moving forward in faith and fight the enemies that we battled. Seventh week, we looked at leadership. There's hope in seeing that God kept history moving forward to fulfill his purpose in spite of the good and evil kings of Israel, and that's what he's doing today, in spite of the leadership over us uh, in the world. Uh, you know, nobody's perfect. We all struggle. But God is working his plan through the leaders, through the authorities he puts over us. And so we learned a lesson about authority in that, in that uh, week. Then last week we looked at redemption and we saw how God guided history to the perfect time for his plan of redemption to be sealed in the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. It's an understatement to say, I love it when a plan comes together. <laughs> That's, that doesn't even seem right, but I do love it when a plan comes together. And this is an epic plan that came together on the cross as God used Jesus to deliver us from our sin, to save us from our sin, another sacrifice. That's what it all pointed to. Today, we're going to see a brief snapshot. I wish I had more time. Uh, to lay this out, and I possibly will in the coming year in a, in a whole message series on what we're talking about today, but um, we see a brief snapshot of where history is going. The Bible has a lot to say about the next life, and we only have time to take a quick peek at what, at what it says, but that's, that's where we're going today with the message. The Bible shows that God's epic story continues without end. It just keeps going on and on. Revelation is the last book in the Bible. Through the Apostle John, we get a glimpse of the future destiny of our world, and we can see where it's all going. John's the only one of the original 12 disciples that wasn't martyred for his faith, and they tried. They tried several different ways and times to to martyr him, to take him out for preaching the gospel. But he, he survived. His final punishment for preaching the gospel was banishment to a small island called Patmos uh, on the Aegean, Aegean Sea off the coast of Ephesus, which is modern-day Turkey. So it was in this small island. While he's on the island, John receives a series of visions that describe the future. These are God-breathed. These are visions that come from him. He, he lays things out that relate to the future of the universe. And his visions begin with a picture of the glorified Christ. So after his resurrection, you can see the stories as he appears to the, the disciples and begins to reveal himself, you, you know there's something different, and you know you, there's not a lot of clarity, but the picture we see as uh, God gives these visions to, um, to John, as he peels back the curtain of what's next, are the glorified Christ. And it's, it's an amazing picture, really. So through the, the visions... 
we can see into heaven. We can begin to see what's happening there. And the open, open, opening vision of heaven is a worship celebration of Jesus' victory over death. Let's, let's check it out. Re, uh, Revelation 5, 11 through 13. Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels numbering myriads and myriads and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. Notice the name of the one who is worshipped, the lamb who was slain. We looked at this last week. God arranged history so that when Jesus came to earth, it was clear that he was the lamb of God who would be slain on our behalf. And so as you glimpse into heaven, he is worshipped. For being the lamb who was slain on our behalf that paid the price for our sins. He is the one who died on the cross as a once and for all sacrifice for our sins. He's worthy of all honor and glory and blessing. And he is praised by all of creation. What, what a picture. Do you get the, it's hard, hard for us to see that picture of what's going on here. Another vision is described in Revelation 7. After this... I looked and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Notice who's included in this statement. Of praise, a multitude of people from every nation, tribe, and people and language. This is a picture of where history is headed. This is this is where we're heading in the epic story that goes on and on and on. This is what God's doing in the world right now. He is patiently waiting to wrap up history. So that as many people as possible could be born and choose to follow him and find themselves in this multitude. This is what's going on. This is what's really going on in the world. And there is a lot of craziness. There is a lot of suffering and pain and things going on. But God is patiently in his kindness waiting. He's going to wrap up history at the perfect time. Just as he brought Jesus into the world at the perfect time to die and to be raised. He's going to wrap it all up in his time. Exciting news is that if you follow Christ, you you can play a role in gathering this multitude. As As you connect with people, share Christ with them, let them know you're a follower and answer questions and help them decide to come to know him. 
We're, we're apart. God let us have a piece of the action here in putting this multitude together that will praise him someday. That's an amazing thing. When someone decides to follow Christ, they become a part of this throng. And so what God is doing is he's creating a new heaven and earth for those who choose him. This is what he's doing. He's preparing this place. Jesus told his disciples, hey, don't, don't be troubled. I'm going to prepare a place for you. He's a carpenter. That's a good thing. <laughs> he can do it. Well, he's God, okay? I know he's God, too. God can do whatever God wants. But he's, he's promised to go prepare this place for us. And so this is where we're going. Since the fall of man... God has been working to redeem mankind and restore all of creation to its original pristine state and beyond. It's an amazing thing to think about. He, he didn't give up. He didn't scrap it, wad it up into a ball and throw it in the trash can. He, he stuck with us and with the world that he created. He's very gracious and kind. We've seen how God chose Abraham and he promised through Abraham to bless the world and his, uh, through his descendants. And so he kept his promise century after century, millennia after millennia, through Abraham to Moses to David and ultimately Jesus Christ. Today, those who give their lives to follow Christ begin to reap the blessing of this promise. In the New Testament... Christ followers are referred to as heirs of the promise of Abraham. So there's this connection. He, he was a man of faith. It says that his faith was credited to him as righteousness. So now everybody who chooses to put their faith, to give their lives to Christ and put their faith in him, they are heirs of this same promise. You can see the connections all over the place. What happens is Jesus' followers taste the blessings of that promise right now. We, we, we get the appetizers. We just get a taste. But the whole banquet is coming. It's going to be an amazing thing as we step into the next life. So the appetizers now, the banquet next. We mentioned early in the series, every great story has at least five elements. Uh, movies, books, Broadway shows, whatever story. They typically share these five elements. They, they have a character, a setting. There's a plot, a conflict, or a problem to solve. And the story wraps up with a resolution. Often, current mo movies leave at the end of the story, at the end of the movie... You're, you're waiting for things to be resolved often, and you're waiting, you know, you're hoping, you know, whatever happens, whatever you want to happen, happens, and then it ends, and there's loose ends. I, I, that's too much like real life to me, okay? <laughs> I, go, I go to the movie, I go to bed every night with loose ends. I'm not quite sure how the things are going to tie together. In fact, if you follow God, and you, and you are set to do his work, there are all kinds of loose ends that you can't tie together. You don't know how it is. And so I, I go to the movies for a break from real life. 
Um, so I'd rather have a nice bow tied around all the loose ends so I can be happy <laughs> when I leave. That's only the ones really when I get pulled into the movie. You know, I don't always get pulled in. depends on the skill of the, the people putting it together. In Scripture, you see that God leaves no loose ends. He wraps up time in human history and even remakes the heaven and earth beyond the beauty of the original. He, he ties it all together. The last two chapters of the Bible show us what we can expect in the next life. And I only have a chance to take a peek this morning. But in Revelation chapter 21, we're given a glimpse of eternity. The epic story we've been telling over the last nine weeks fills in the gaps from beginning to end. And it ties together all of the loose ends of history. God created man and woman. He gave them a paradise, a place to live. That was the setting of our story to begin with. When they rebelled, he's patiently been working to restore people and all of creation to that, to that original and beyond. If you believe God created the first heaven and earth where we live, why couldn't you trust him to make a new heaven and earth, which is what he's doing? So a glimpse of eternity includes a new heaven and a new earth. Look at Revelation 21, 1 and 2. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. For much of my life, I have to confess I haven't really been looking forward to heaven because my picture of heaven was something like that scene that we saw where there was worship going on. And my, uh, my picture, because early in my life, it hadn't been explained to me what to expect, was, you know, we'd put on robes. I'm not really a fan of robes. We would sing in a choir. Not that great. I really like a good choir. But, you know, it's not something I've been drawn to. And so since this was my picture of heaven, I wasn't quite sure if I wanted to really go there bad, bad you know, enough. And I knew I didn't want to go to hell. Okay, I don't want to go there. But heaven wasn't a draw to me. Like it is when you really find out what God's saying here in Scripture about it. Notice that, that this passage says God is making a new heaven and a new earth. So I can expect the new one to be an improved version of earth 1.0. It's going to be a new and improved earth that I live on. I'm, I'm going to have something significant to do with my time. I, I can anticipate adventure like we have here. Work that's fulfilling. Can you imagine work without the hassles? It's hard to imagine. <laughs> but remember, that's what work was like before the fall of man, before people decided to rebel. It was enjoyable all the time. Didn't have to fight through the problems and the hassles. Like here, I'm going to be entrusted with, by God with things to accomplish. So it's going to be interesting. Far more than here. 
The imagery here is a wedding where God prepares this new home for the church to enjoy and to live in this unimaginably perfect place. The groom lights up when he sees the bride coming down the aisle. That's the picture here. It's prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. We would light up if we could grasp what heaven's going to be like. We, we would be longing for it. It's better than you can even imagine. In heaven, God will live with us. Revelation 21.3, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. Once again, we can take a walk with God face to face. Remember, that's what was happening in the garden back there in the very beginning. You had the picture that the first man and woman walked through the garden with God. They were able to talk to him unashamed. No worries about relating to him. Again, we can be in the immediate presence of God and, and enjoy him. Since the fall, separation from God's been a reality. This is no longer going to be an issue in, in heaven. Jesus tore down the curtain from top, it tore from top to God, uh, bottom. God, God tore it from top to bottom. And that curtain's what separated us from the sacrifice of Jesus. Or from, from through, sorry, through his sacrifice, Jesus separated, he removed the veil that, that separated us from God. Look at verse 7. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. We, we overcome, we conquer by trusting Jesus and his victory. Scripture says, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. So again, it's faith. We conquer through faith. But if we conquer through faith, if we put our faith and trust in Christ who won the victory for us, God becomes our father. And the sense you get in Scripture is he, he becomes a close, close father to you. The kind where you see a little toddler crawl up on their dad's lap and just have a conversation with them. A dad. A really close father that you can relate to. Also, God promised to remove the curse. There will be, and a glimpse of eternity shows that there's no more curse. For, uh, 21, 4 and 5 says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. God keeps his promise. We talked earlier about the consequences of the choice to sin a few, few weeks ago. Pain and a power struggle in relationships. Pain and trouble with work. The creation itself was cursed, so pain and suffering entered into the world. In heaven, the curse is removed. There, there is no more pain, no more suffering, no more sorrow. The loose ends will all be tied up. In eternity, life has no end. Look at verse 6. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. 
To the thirsty, I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. In heaven, no need for cemeteries or funeral homes. No rehab or recovery clinics. There's a river in heaven like the one, if you read the the first couple chapters of Genesis, the description of the garden was there was a river that flowed through it. There's a river in heaven. But this river is a river of life that brings, when you drink from it, eternal life. And it's paid for. There's no water bills in heaven. No need to worry about being charged because Christ paid the price. Jesus paid the price on the cross. So we don't have to pay to live with God forever. It was paid in full as we turn ourselves over to him. God is working out his eternal plan to bless those who love and fear him for eternity. It's also true that God will honor the choice of those who refuse to turn to him and give their life to him. If a person rejects God and chooses to live their life independent of him here on this earth, God honors that choice and allows it to continue on through eternity in a place called hell with eternal torment and judgment. That's what you find in scripture. So. God gives us a choice, and our life is incredibly significant here on this earth because the choice that we make about Jesus Christ and whether or not we will accept his death on the cross as payment for our sin and whether or not we will follow him as Lord, that is crucial for our eternity. It's... it's, the most important decision that we'll ever make. What God has promised in heaven should make a difference in the way we live today for those of us who follow Christ. Peter was one of Jesus' closest followers. He's in the closest three of the 12 disciples. And he wrote to the church at large in the first century. Therefore, he wrote to us as well. Um, Life was very difficult for these early followers of Christ. They were tortured, imprisoned, tortured, martyred for their faith. And in that context, Peter writes these words. He directly addresses how to live in light of this new heaven and earth that God is preparing for us. The promise of heaven can change our outlook today. Let's look at 2 Peter 3. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but he is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. This This is the passage that shows us We think God's taking a long time. You know, thousand, thousand of years. He's not slow. A thousand years is like one day to God. He's working his plan. And he's bringing it all together. And he's being patient so that as many as possible would choose to, to follow him. So they don't move into eternity separated from him in torment for the rest of eternity. 
But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. And then the heavens will pass away with a roar and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved. And the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness? Holiness it has to do with the purity and character of God. Godliness just means to live a God-referenced life. So the impact of the fact that all of this is going away and God's going to be making a new heaven and earth is that we live a God-referenced life. That we live today keeping this in mind. That this is where we're going. This is what we're doing. And the most important thing that we do in any relationship or as we handle responsibilities is whatever God wants us to do with that. And so we keep this in mind. And we're waiting for and hastening the coming day of God because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved. And the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting for a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. So there is a point where earth 1.0 is going to go away. And then there's a new heaven and a new earth that we're going to enjoy. Since earth and all that's in it are going to be burned up and remade, you and I can have a different attitude toward what's going on right here and now. We, we can shift our focus to the right things. If you know that life isn't always going to be like it is right now, if you're struggling, if you're going through some problems, if you're dealing with hassles at work, if there's some serious trouble in your relationships, in the family or with friends, if you, if you know this isn't all there is, the pain and the trouble, the evil, the suffering, the sin, you aren't as desperate to squeeze Everything you can out of this life. You can separate yourself from it to a certain degree and then choose to live a God reference life toward whatever it is you're doing because you're not all tied up in it. Because God is going to do what God said he's going to do. Paul Azinger was a PGA golfer who battled cancer at the height of his career, so it was highly publicized. He was very, he's great at what he did uh, in golf. And this is how he said he gained perspective on life in the battle with cancer. He said, that encounter with the inevitability of eternity was an abrupt reality check. His life would never be the same. And he said that all he could think about was something that the PGA chaplain had said to him earlier before he went through this battle. And this is what the chaplain said. We think we're in the land of the living going to the land of the dying. When in reality, we're in the land of the dying headed for the land of the living. That is the truth. We are headed for an eternity where life has no end. And so, right now, in light of eternity, I don't expect to live trouble-free, but I have hope as I deal with the troubles. I have a tremendous amount of hope in this. If you follow Christ, you can deal with the conflict and the problems and the hassles and the struggles 
of life from a new and improved angle. As God gives you the power to do so, your first concern in any circumstance is with holiness and godliness. And we mess up. But when we mess up, we get it right. But then we keep trying to get perspective. And what would... what? My reference is not here on this earth. This is not my final destination. I have a home in in eternity that God is preparing for me. And I'm looking for that day. I'm living for that day. And out of the graciousness of God, when we choose to live a holy and godly life here, we, we stack up reward in the next life. This is... All that you find in Scripture, I don't have time to go into that. But you and I, what a privilege. If you follow Christ, what, what a great thing. God is preparing an amazing place, and that doesn't even do it justice. And you and I have a role to play in building the multitude that will praise Him. I won't mind being in a choir. In fact, I will be able to sing on key, I'm pretty sure. That's going to be a great day, being a part of the multitude, praising the living God. I like to sing, by the way. I love to sing worship songs. I sing them every morning almost. Just I put on my little, it helps if I have somebody to sing with, because they help me stay somewhat near where I should be on the notes. But we have a role to play in telling others about Christ. And helping build the multitude. We give hope to others this way as we share Christ with them. If you don't yet follow Christ, I hope this message and this series has motivated you to give your life to him. Or to get answers to questions that are keeping you from doing so. Eternity with him is going to be fantastic. Without him, it's going to be tragic. So I hope that you'll take this seriously and investigate Jesus said, the disciples went on a, at one point, they, he sent them out on a mission to um, do some things, and they were amazed at how God used them to really work in the lives of other people. And what, what he said to them at one point is, he said, don't, don't rejoice at how I'm using you there, but rejoice that your names are written in the book of life. And so the day that you decide to give your life to follow Christ, to accept his payment on the cross for your sin, and give your life to him to follow him, your name is written in the book of life. It's like, you, you know, when you go to a conference and you go up to the registration table and they're looking for your name and you hope they find it because you just traveled to go to this conference and they look for it, your name's going to be there. If you have given your life to Christ, your name will be written in the book of life. And it is written in a pen that cannot be erased. The ink was paid for by the blood of Christ. So I hope that you can rejoice, not in all the things that God's doing through you now, if you follow him. Rejoice that your name is in that book.
and live with a reference that God is in control. He's going to tie up the loose ends. He's going to bring it together. And history will be an honor to him. I'd like to ask you to consider, as we wrap up, some next steps. And here's some suggestions. They're at the bottom of your listening guide. They're also on the connection card. Um, first, first next step would be, for the first time, I accept Jesus as my Savior. In other words, I, accepted his, I accept His payment on the cross for my sin. And I follow Him as Lord. I'm going to give myself to Him as boss. I'm going to set my heart to live a holy and godly life before Him. Second step would be, as I deal with fill in your blank, as I deal with uh, some problem, some relational struggle, I will choose a godly response because of my hope. And then another step would be to begin a plan to read through the Bible. There's On your listening guide, there is a, uh, a website, a web address, that gives some great reading plans. You can read through it. it. It's very fortifying. Sometimes Christians are afraid to read the Bible because they're afraid of what they're going to find there. But it's, it's very clear. They are. Read it. It holds up to our reading. And it's fortifying as we read it. Uh, in two weeks, uh, just to turn the corner a little bit, in two weeks we're going to do the intro to our message series that we do each summer that we have for the last several years at, at, at least on the box office. In three weeks we're going to celebrate the launch of that series. Um, this year we're looking at relationships at the box office. So we're going to look at movies and what they say about relationships and how to handle those from God's perspective. So what we do in the series is we look at the themes from the summer movies and we match up what the themes are, what goes on in the movie somewhat, uh, with God's wisdom. We haven't always seen the movie because, frankly, some of the movies I wouldn't suggest going to see. But the themes are what we look at, and we try to match up God's wisdom in the Bible with that. Here's a trailer of what we're going to look at this summer. <laughs> 